OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day. The first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Hello and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, the host of the documentary, Open Your Eyes. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell to get notifications of great new interviews. Also, please leave comments. Great news, you can now watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. OCT, or Optical Coherence Tomography, is a non-invasive imaging technology used to obtain high-resolution cross-sectional images of the retina. OCT is absolutely fascinating, aiding optometrists to not only save eyes, but also save lives. Today, we have a repeat guest, Pennsylvania-based optometric physician, Dr. Greg Caldwell. Dr. Caldwell is an OCT educator and innovator. Thank you, Dr. Caldwell, for joining me today. Yeah, Kerry, thank you for having me. Truly an honor and a pleasure to be here. So let's talk OCT. Uh, What is it and why do you love this technology so much? Yeah, OCT, Kerry, has really uh, been a game changer. You got to remember when I when I graduated in 1995, we didn't have it. Uh, we had to examine the retina, um, how to use different ways of light, 78, 90. Um, ocular coherence tomography came along, definitely a game changer. In a sense, you know, we can say it's an MRI, but it has nothing to do with with magnets. It's just the way the, the light, I really don't even know how the instrument works, to tell you the truth. I just know how to interpret them. I know it's coherent light. And depending on the different tissues, you get hypofluorescence or hyperfluorescence, and then you can really tell what's going on, um, basically, but with the uh, the mechanics of the eye and what you're seeing. You know, OCT has really changed optometry, you know, for so much of the better, and it really helps our patients. We can now see down to five or six microns with OCT and with spectral domain we're gonna be able to see one micron. So we're kind of put in a position where we're gonna see disease way before other uh, primary care doctors can see disease. Oh, absolutely. Um, And we're starting to do that now, right? Uh, We see, uh, especially in the patient with diabetes, we're picking up the capillary changes that are out there, macular degeneration. Uh, We're picking up, uh, you know, the drusen formation, 
uh, that's out there. So you are 100% correct. Uh, you know, we're picking up diabetic retinopathy before it's really retinopathy that you would see with the 78 or 90, the classic, um, you know, what I would say, maybe the macro changes that we were taught in school, the, the dot and blot hemorrhages and the exudate. Now we can start seeing the micro changes that are out there. And soon we're going to be the first doctors that are going to help diagnose Alzheimer's sooner. There's some changes on OCT as far as Alzheimer's. If you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, the eye's fascinating, right? It really is connected to, to just about everything that's out there. You know, we talk of, you know, skin and then we have, uh, then we have the vasculature that we're talking about here with diabetes. And now you're, you're just talking the neurological side of it. And there's a part of the eye that's called the, the ganglion cell and the ganglion cell body. And it's axon goes all the way, you know, back into the brain, deep into the brain. And whenever it becomes sick or traumatized, you know, it, it atrophies away. So the ganglion cell complex, which can be measured uh, within the uh, OCT, can take on some certain patterns that are out there. Um, believe it or not, uh, just recently, they're saying that, you know, people that have, you know, pituitary adenomas, and we're used to picking that up maybe with a confrontation field by temporal hemianopia. And, uh, um, you, you know, we do a visual field, it's showing so by temporal by nasal can show up maybe two to three years earlier, but even before the, uh, the visual field defect, which then goes back to your original question here the neurological side with regarding, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, and maybe helping uh, the docs with the diagnosis, and then how's the treatment going with the progression. So really exciting stuff uh, that's out there for the future. Yeah, and the, the, we could see that the choroid is starting to get thinner, those blood vessels are dropping out, and some of the capillaries start dropping out. So right now, there's nothing specific that says, okay, well, this is Alzheimer's. But hopefully we're going to get there uh, within the next five years. And neurologists are going to be referring to us for OCTs to confirm whether or not somebody may have Alzheimer's. So if we look about the, at the future of OCT, how can OCT maybe be used during surgery? Uh, well, basically where it's being used for surgery right now is in the, the macular hole type of situation when they're doing epiretinal membrane peels. And looking at that, at that, at the hole, just to make sure that uh, they're getting the the position of that macula. So, um, you know, just before and after surgery, especially after surgery, uh, to see how that hole is and do they have to go in and reposition. So, you know, that's really some new cutting edge using it during surgery. Just in retina surgery is basically what it is. That's really where the the OCT shines. You know, but this OCT, it's, you know, you got anterior segment now. So we're looking at it with, with cornea. We're looking at it just anterior chamber, everything that's going on with the anterior chamber, and then going back to the retina. So basically where it's being used in surgery would be back in the retina side. We're almost like we're a pathologist, the way we could look at the retina and, and the nerve tissue. Yeah, you, you nailed it. This is uh, pathology in a sense, live, live, live pathology in a sense. So just a different form of it. Now we have OCT angiography, which was, which came out around 2014. Explain what OCT angiography is 
and how that could help us with uh, diagnosing different diseases in patients. Yeah, so we always say that the, the crime must fit the punishment. So like, there's two types of OCTs, if you really kind of want to think about it. There's your B-scan OCT, which uh, optometrists, you know, whenever you, when I do a lecture and you ask how many people have uh, OCTs, that's probably about 70 to 90 to depending on what audience you do, and 70 to 90% will raise their hand saying that they have an OCT. It's the B-scan. It's kind of that cross-sectional that we're used to seeing. And you're right, in 2014, what happened is with spectral domain and being able to get these instruments to get up to about 70,000 scans per second, what, were it, what they were able to do with the technology is what's moving versus not moving, which in that case, the blood would be moving, the red blood cells and the white blood cells, and they're able to track movement and subtract out what's not moving and you get a nice image of the capillaries uh, of the inner retina particularly that superficial and deep plexus now we always say the crime must fit the punishment and the diabetes is a capillary disease so we're really getting some early detection with capillary dropout before you get the b scan changes same thing with macular degeneration we're able to get Choroidal neovascular membranes, especially those occult ones, growing down below the RPE because fluorescein angiography can't see below the RPE. And we're starting to pick up on these capillaries from macular degeneration. So really, the two big diseases where OCT angiography shines, where the crime fits the punishment, would be diabetes and macular degeneration. Maybe you could tell, tell us the difference between spectral domain OCT and swep source. Yeah, so the, the difference is, is just the, the amount of, in a sense, resolution. A spec, I mean, even step back to time domain. Time domain was, you know, the Zeiss, the Stratus. It was scanning, I, I forget, it's 15 or 16,000 scans per second. And we were getting about 15 to 16 microns of resolution. And just as a reminder out there, if we take a millimeter and cut it a thousand times, and I always say to the, to the patient, a slice of bologna and cut it a thousand times, the time domain got us down to about 15 to 16 microns. Um, spatial domain gets us down to five to six microns. That was whenever they were able to get it up to about uh, 70,000 scans per second. And just by using different algorithms and, and increased uh, scans per second, um, now we're able to swept source is able to get down to one micron worth of resolution. So that's really, really cool that's out there. So 15 down to five to six and swept source getting down to one micron worth of resolution. So we could see the vitreous, the retina, the, the inner and outer layer of the retina, the RPE, the choroid with the OCT. But people are very interested in the ellipsone uh, layer of, of the OCT. And sometimes, or, you know, Jerry Sherman called it the photoreceptor integrity line. And it's basically of the line of the photoreceptors. And if you want to share your screen for a second so our audience could see what we're talking about, because I know a lot of people, especially when we're talking with the, some of the students, and even when we're talking to uh, even when we're talking to patients and we're trying to explain to them why they might have lost vision and 
that line is very important. So if you could take us through that and what it and what it is. So I'm going to just jump right to the ellipsoid zone or here it's labeled in the picture as the, the uh, photoreceptor integrity line. But what I want to point out right here, all the way from this external limiting membrane, all the way down through to the anterior surface of this RPE complex, that's the photoreceptor. And so, you know, the name changed. You're correct. It, you know, it was always known as the photoreceptor integrity line, the inner and outer segment of the photoreceptor. And then it changed to the, be the ellipsoid zone. So the ellipsoid zone, as you can see, courses all the way across uh, this OCT scan here, and it changed the ellipsoid zone. So I wanted to do a little bit of digging on that and just found some papers out there and found out, you know, why does this ellipsoid zone, as you can see here, it's lighting up as a, as a brighter color, and, and it really is the mitochondria of the, uh, of the photoreceptor. And right above it, this black zone, it's called the myoid zone. It doesn't get talked about it that much, but that's where the endoplasmic reticulum and the Golgi apparatus of the, of the, photore of the photoreceptor. So you know, the ellipsoid zone is extremely important. We can see when it becomes oxidatively stressed, it starts to fade. It starts to, to in a sense, gray out. And that's never good because we know the mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell. So basically we're looking right at the mitochondria uh, of the photoreceptors. Hmm. And if we're looking at the cones, show people where the cones would be and how, and how far they extend up. Yeah, so- the two before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically from you know, the external limiting membrane, to that anterior surface of the RPE. It's a mix of rods and cones. But as we know, as we get to the foveola here, we kind of see this little gradual uptake. And we know that the, the foveola, if not all, is predominantly the cones. And when you look at the morphology of a cone versus a rod, a cone is really tall and thin, and a rod is a little bit shorter. So that's why when you look at this OCT scan, back in the day, we thought maybe it was edema, but really now because of the high resolution getting down to these five to six microns, we could see this little uptake and we're looking at how these, these tall cones and that's, uh, that's just normal um, uh, physiology uh, and pathology there just because the cones are tall and skinny. Maybe you could show us some of the other uh anatomy uh, where the choroid is, where the vitreous is, and the inner, uh, and the inner uh, part of the retina. Yeah. So I'm going to start out here because really whenever I look at OCTs, I always like looking at the choroid. The choroid is not, you know, talked about that much in lectures. I try to bring it um, because the choroid can swell, the choroid can atrophy, and so it's just anywhere down below this RPE complex. And you can just kind of see, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, hazy down in this area. So we got the choroid and then on a really good resolution, that's why this is labeled as the, uh, the RPE complex, because you can get this hyper then this black band and then, you know, kind of the inner side of the RPE. 
Then we jump up to the ellipsoid zone, the myoid zone, the external limiting membrane, and then black or nuclear bodies and then plexiform layer. But between the plexiform layer and the next nuclear layer, this is a loose adhesion. So the inner retina is right here. The outer retina is down here. And there's actually just a loose association. So that's why when you start getting some traction, as you can kind of see right here, there's a little bit of traction, but not enough uh, to, to, to create a separation. But that's why you'll see that lamellar holes if it's opening up. You'll see that that, that retinal schesis is usually between the, uh, the inner retina here and the outer retina. When you have the capillaries that are leaking from diabetes, you usually start to see some of that edema, that exudate, that hemorrhage accumulate in between that inner and outer retina, because again, there's a, there's a loose association. And you mentioned about, you know, where's the vitreous? The vitreous is out here, this black space. You could see here that there's a little bit of vitreous pulling up, we would call that a vitreomacular adhesion. And if you really want to help out with the anatomy, you really don't see the optic nerve here, but you could tell where this retinal nerve fiber layer is really thick over here compared to the other side, that this is the nasal side, the optic nerve would be over here just by looking at this picture. You know, show us where the macular pigment would be. Yeah, the macular pigment is in the inner retina um, uh, of, the, of the macula. So this whole picture is the macula. Um, remember there's the fovea, and then there's the pair of fovea, and then there's the pair E, and those are all parts of the macula. So this whole area is the macula. The, uh, the pigment likes to be in the inner retina, the layers of, uh, of Henle. And so just up here in this inner layer is where the macular pigment, where lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin are laid out. And you can see how that macular pigment being there is a protection for the choriocapillaris, the RPE, and the photoreceptors. But you mentioned before uh, about mitochondria. What kind of nutrients can actually help the mitochondria? You know, not so much, not only in the retina, but in the whole body. But if it's helping in one part of the body, there's mitochondria, of course, throughout the body. Probably the most, I believe, is in the heart. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 and I would agree with you. The most is in the heart, but they're also right there in the eye. Well, actually, I'm going to point out another area where mitochondria hang out. We're talking about this RPE complex down here in the most outer part of the RPE. There are mitochondria, and we're talking about the mitochondria here of the photoreceptors. And one of my favorite uh, molecules to help out or nutraceuticals out there is resveratrol. Resveratrol has been very uh, researched multiple times to be uh, very protective of the mitochondria. And it's also, uh, in a sense, a natural anti-VEGF. So resveratrol along with others, but resveratrol is the one that gets uh, talked about the most. And also CoQ10 is, is very protective for the mitochondria. Absolutely, yes. So let's talk, of, leave that picture up there and show me when do people start having damage to their visual acuity? What has to happen for people to really start to have poor vision? What has to be damaged? Well, the, we, you know, the crime must fit the punishment. You'll hear me say that all the time. 
So if a patient is going to have vision loss, it usually has to start with that photoreceptors breaking down. And that photoreceptor is out here in the outer retina. Now, remember the, the photoreceptor is down here. That's why this little pit is here, kind of pushing the light away to trying to push those structures away to let that light get down to this, to this cone, uh, the cones, which give us that most acute vision. And this area right here is telling that E from the F, the O from a G, you know, obviously if the inner retina gets destroyed and those connections can't be there, then obviously the, the photoreceptor could be perfectly healthy, but we usually can predict what's happening with the patient's acuity by looking here at this outer retina, especially the mitochondria, that ellipsoid zone, it starts to break down and starts to fade. You're going to start seeing a drop in vision. So this outer retina uh, is a pretty where the photoreceptors are, especially those cones uh, are pretty important to being able to tell what's going on with the patient's acuity. Now, if the ellipsoid zone is intact, but the external limiting membrane is damaged, what will the what kind of vision would you predict with that type of patient? Yeah, um, I don't think it would be compromised too too bad. You know, I, if there there's some type of pathology to cause that external limiting membrane to break down. Uh, but if that ellipsoid zone is intact, you know, 2025 at worst, maybe, um, because that photoreceptor is, is still intact. And it's, you know, it's a membrane. So the rest of the, the nuclear and the uh, plexiform layers and the wiring would most likely be intact. So I wouldn't expect too much of a breakdown. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. We're going to talk about this later and show some pictures, but for an occult neovascular membrane, where would that be living? Yeah, occult, it's one of those tricky ones, right? It's down below the RPE. So you see the RPE complex here. So it would be down in the choroid, uh, just lurking right below that RPE complex. So let's switch to the OCT angiography and let's show the different capillaries, the capillary plexuses, if you could go to that. Yeah, I certainly can. So this is one of my, uh, you know, favorite slides here. It kind of transitions right into um, what we're looking at using this anatomy. We see the fovea where we just were. Here would be a good representation of the of the inner retina getting to the outer retina, and then we have the that capillaris, that choriocapillaris. That's pretty much just nothing but a bunch of large and small blood vessels. It's a bloodbath down there, and you can see here that it's trying to show in this cartoon. Uh, the superficial ret, uh, uh, capillaries. And if I just animate this, you could see here that we have the capillaries being imaged now, which is just amazing what we can do. This is a OCT that it scans, it has to scan at least 70,000 scans per second. And again, with that 70,000 scans per second, what's moving uh, are red and white blood cells and all the other constituents of blood. And if you subtract out what's not moving, 
Now you can see the superficial plexus and the deep plexus. This is where diabetes would be important. And then you get out to those photoreceptors, which, you know, they don't have any blood vessels. They get it from above and they get it from down below, as we're seeing here, from all the blood from the choriocapillaris. So these are some really cool images and we can point them out and put them on side by side. And you can see here using the B scan, we're talking about the superficial plexus being here, going a little bit deeper, showing the deep capillary plexus. Then you're getting out to the photoreceptors, you know, about where those mitochondria are, that ellipsoid zone. And again, getting blood, getting nutrients from above and getting nutrients from down below here, looking at the, the choriocapillaris. So just amazing the technology. Again, I graduated in 1995. And to be able to sit here and look at images like this is just wonderful. I think it's worth repeating. Show us the layers where you would see diabetes, uh, dot and blot hemorrhages, exudates. And so we'll start with the superficial capillary plexus and show us what pathology we would expect in each one of these four sections. Yes, yeah, so diabetes, capillary disease, right? That's why we always hear neuropathy. We hear nephropathy, the kidneys being involved, and then retinopathy and the retinopathy um, being uh, damage to the capillaries. So diabetes, far and foremost, we always got to remember is a capillary disease. It's the disease of those tiny, tiny blood vessels. And then when you're looking at the eye in this, in this four pictures that we're showing here, there's really only three vasculatures, the superficial deep and then the choriocapillaris. And really it's this inner retina, superficial retina where the capillary dropout can occur. There's areas of non-flow and the capillaries could start to leak or they get these little bulges called uh, microaneurysms. So it's really, if we're doing diabetes, Carrie, it's these first two images, the superficial and deep capillaries of the inner retina. It's really the inner retina disease. And if we start seeing blood vessels in the outer ret retina and squiggly blood vessels in the chorea capillaris, what is that telling us? Yeah, it's, it's probably some form of macular. The first and most common disease would be macular degeneration. I mean, it could be a few other things, but it's gonna be macular degeneration off the bat. Tell us the difference between a fluorescein angiography, OCT angiography, the pluses and the minuses of each one. And do we need both? Well, right off the bat, you're, we're gonna need both, but it's gonna be probably depending on what stage of the disease we're in. Um, we as optometrists love to be able to do early detection. Um, so the difference is right off the bat is we hear OCT angiography but no dye is needed. That's again, I'm gonna repeat that. No dye is needed, no injection is needed. It's just all based on that 70,000 scans per second. You know, Some instruments I'm hearing are getting up to 120,000 scans per second and they might already be there. And with that being said, subtracting out what's moving uh, uh, and, and non-moving. So again, OCT angiography, no injection. Fluorescein angiography, you need to have an injection of the sodium fluorescein. You wait a few seconds for it to circulate through. And then basically, you know, it's working on, the, on whether the capillaries are leaking. Uh, 
And as you take pictures over time, for lack of a better term, you're able to see that kind of that puddle develop from the leaking. So one of the advantages of OCT angiography is being able to see these occult carotid neovascular membranes before they leak. And um, the sodium fluorescein cannot see below the RPE. So being able to see below the RPE is some of the major advantages that are out there. Um, but you know, once the patient starts to bleed, um, it's, it's difficult to see what's happening with, a, with an OCT angiography. They've already bled, so now it's time to get the fluorescein angiography, and then that's where the advantages come out. But then once treatment starts, they both have their advantages and disadvantages, as in a sense, you know, the patients are getting those anti-VEGF injections. You did a beautiful job of giving us a background and setting it up. Let's see some photographs of people that actually have diabetes and are showing some changes in OCT angiography, such as uh, increased uh, foveal avascular zone or capillary dropout. If you could show us some of those photographs. Yeah, so let me uh, just kind of see here. Let me just kind of show you right off the bat so we have a good understanding of what's happening. This is, uh, was an extern of mine, 25-year-old man, perfectly healthy here. And where we can image the optic nerve and we can see the radial peripapillary capillaries. And here are the four images that I just showed you on this scan, that superficial deep. You can see it's a little bit thicker on the nasal side. And then the, uh, the temporal side gets a little thinner. This is all normal uh, vasculature here to be able to compare. If you could and go then, back, if you could go back just yeah. a second. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, the slide to the right, uh, the first picture, you see those red dots, those little red dots of blood or blood vessels. Tell us what that is and how that could help us. Yeah, so doing uh, OCT angiography, uh, what we're able to do is pick up blood flow. And this is showing the blood flow, the red right here. These are the dots I hope you're, you're referencing is that this is the blood flow of the, uh, uh, which is normal of the inner retina. You can see the blood flow of the outer retina. And then again, you can see that highly vascularized choriocapillaris down here. So just looking at all of this flow and using this red, um, this is just, again, what normal vasculature should look like. So good pointing that out as we go forward. Here. And, and, and if we see abnormal blood flow, abnormal blood vessels, or we're seeing leaking, what, what will happen? Will it just be in, in, in the place where it doesn't belong? Will it, will it be, uh, or will it be like, look like it's spilt and like spilt milk, but red? Yeah, so yeah, a few things. Yeah, these are, took a little while to learn how to really interpret it. All of those come into play depending on the, on the uh, disease. But, you know, in, in diabetes, we get capillary shutdown. So all of a sudden you might be coming across and you see blood and all of a sudden there's no flow. So that would be a sign maybe of, um, of, of dropout or capillary closure. Uh, sometimes you can get retinal neo, you know, in, intraretinal neo, and then that would light up as a big complex. The choriocapillaris, when we're talking about macular degeneration, usually we see it kind of in a sense, whoop, hit the button here, kind of going into a sense up into the into the RPE as if one of those drusenoid 
um, detachments, pigmented epithelial detachment from a drusen, that drusen becomes vascularized, not a good sign. That's someone I'd like to follow a little bit closer. So it could be dropout. It could be flow where you shouldn't see it. So. Well, you have a great way of explaining things. Thank you for that, Dr. Caldwell. So let's go to diabetes now. Yeah. So here's one, um, you know, one of my favorites, because back in the day, um, we would say, you know, the patient was referred in, they needed to have a diabetic eye exam. And uh, we would dilate them, we would use all the, the tools that we had 78s and 90s, take a photograph. And we would say that this patient would have no diabetic retinopathy. But again, it's a capillary disease and being able to look at the capillaries has really showed us that uh, we could pick up on the disease. And one of my favorite is, you know, this area is black on purpose. This is the foveal avascular zone. You see this FAZ, foveal avascular zone. There's no blood vessels in there. Again, for the reason that we want to get all those let that light rays down to those cones and photoreceptors to be interpreted. Is that an E? Is that an F? And so that was purpose, purposely made for us to not have blood vessels there. But just to the outer edge, that's one of the thinnest areas of capillaries. If you think about it, we're going from no capillaries to capillaries. So this is one of the thinnest areas in the body or in the eye of capillaries. So if, if diabetes is affecting this outer ring or this little early ring around here is important. So here's a patient here, you can see a little microaneurysm up top here, but you can start to see the capillaries dropping out. Now, I just wanna point out real quickly that a lot of the colleagues will ask, well, what's the normal size of this vascular zone? And I'm gonna throw caution to the wind to try not to, when it comes to structure, try to get something that's normal. What you wanna look for is symmetry. I've seen patients come in with 0.443 and 0.447. What you're starting to look for, if one is 0.44 and the other one is say 0.54, then you, what you wanna look for is the expansion. So maybe, you know, we're looking at a foveal vascular zone here. We're seeing damage, it's starting to expand. Um, so we're looking for that asymmetry of this foveal vascular zones. And I have a couple examples that I can show of that. And capillary dropout, if you could show us the capillary dropout or and decrease of vessel density. Sure. Yeah. And I have some slides I can show the, the decrease of the, the, the vessel density. But right here, you can see this little black area out here of where there should be uh, capillaries flowing. And then right in this area of the spovioid vascular zone, if you look through this area, we can see it's pretty well networked, getting some dropout where this black area is, a little thinning here. This is a, this is a patient with diabetes. And over here, we would say that this patient is, does, is free of diabetic retinopathy. But again, knowing that it's a capillary disease, we can now label this as diabetic retinopathy in its very earliest stages. And a lot of times these patients come in with a hemoglobin A1C that's a 7.8 or an 8. And maybe here we'd be encouraging them like, okay, you get another year out of it. But over here, we really want to drive down that hemoglobin A1C. And many times we'll see this capillary dropout and the patient has no idea that they're diabetic. That is, yep, that is correct. You know, the definitely back in the day, I know when I graduated in 1995, 
we would pick up more and more patients uh, you know, from an eye exam with diabetes. Not as common, but certainly it's out there nowadays. So we definitely always got to keep our heightened sense, senses up. And you were asking about the capillary density dropout. Um, blue in this case is not good. That means there's no flow. And this is one of my favorite slides to show because you could see that the blue increases as we go across. So we're me measuring that vessel density and you could see the different numbers, but more blue is over here in this 2017 photo. But what we're looking at here is as we come across, remember we're talking diabetes. So we're gonna look between this inner and outer retina and here's the B scan. That looks pretty good as we go across, maybe a little bit of a ripple effect here, but as we keep coming across, if I could just show this little hyper-reflective area, and you can see how it's blocking the signal. And here's another hyper-reflective area blocking the signal. Now, on an OCT, that's either exudates or blood, you'd have to zoom in maybe with a 78 or 90 or look on your photograph. And obviously, if it's white-ish, it's going to be an exudate. If it's red, it's going to be blood. You can't really differentiate. But my point is, we'd be saying here, look at this maybe early, or this is early diabetic retinopathy, but look at how much capillary dropout we had to have. And we'd be picking that up a lot early on those superficial and, and deep uh, plexus as we were showing as we could see here in this patient, if you want me to, to, to do sure. this or. Sure. So, yeah. So here is this kind of a patient that came in. It's a patient of mine that walked in and they needed to have their diabetic exam. I'm just going to focus on this top part up here. And if you just look at that inner and outer retina, you could see where we would look for any type of retinopathy. And obviously the 78 and 90 and the photograph all look good, but I'm going to jump down here, Carrie, on this uh, on this part of this, the, the, uh, the, the scan and printout, foveal avascular zone looking at the area. And if you look and see how this one is 0 0.35 and, and 0 0.2, again, it's not the number that we want to look at, but see how the asymmetry, how that right one is larger, that now clues me into really opening up this, this angiography looking at it over here, you can see it's not round, it's irregular. You could see dropout in this, in this area of thinnest uh, capillaries, the foveal vascular zone, or just outside the foveal vascular zone. And then as we move out, you can see areas of dropout where this black is here, a little bit of dropout here. But let me put these uh, up, I don't have them side by side, but you could go down right here and you could see that this one is definitely enlarged and we're picking up diabetes. This is a patient that in, before 2014, before angiography was out, they would come in, we would say back to the you know, primary care doctor, the endocrinologist, this patient does not have diabetic retinopathy, but now the technology is allowing us to see it and that there truly is. In the photograph on the left and, and the upper part of the wellness report, uh, you could see the columns. Uh, if you could look at the, those columns, what is that showing us in these pictures? If you could review these that ones, again, which you mentioned it before. Yes. These ones right here? Uh-huh. Yeah. So these columns, because of this cut right here, you can see this is a horizontal cut and this is a vertical cut. So we're actually cutting down through the retina this way. And as we 
cut down. And so this horizontal cut, I'm gonna go back to the horizontal cut. That horizontal cut is going right through here. So we're not hitting that many blood vessels. That's why you don't get that many horizontal cuts. So this is, these are actually, since this is the vertical cut, you're hitting a major blood vessel here of the superior retina, another blood vessel here in the superior retina. And that's why on these vertical cuts, you get these columns because it's, it's like this blood vessel right here, as we cut down through, this blood vessel has blood in it. And what it's doing is blocking the signal. So you're getting kind of that hypo-reflective column. And that's a normal finding here. And this is a normal finding because of these, these blood vessels, the major you know, branches of the, of, the, of the superior and inferior retina. And before you showed extra dates or hemorrhages that were abnormal, how can you tell the difference or you just, or you can't? Well, it depends. And this one here, because these are so superficial, you could see that this is like where the normal anatomy is. And again, it goes back to years of interpretation, knowing that you know, down in this area, like maybe here, this might be an early diabetic change, but that would be kind of hard to say, but it's between that inner and outer retina where we start to look for those changes. So as we go across this way, you know, we would say this is a pretty clean looking B scan, but the you know, OCTA here is definitely showing some dropout. Thanks for cl clarifying that. And let's turn our attention. Do you have any other pictures of uh, diabetes? Sure. Here's, you know, here's Good. another patient here. Um, and again, you know, I, I quickly like to look down here and I can see again, see this 0 0.29, this 0 0.38. There's that 0 0.1 difference. And again, I'm really going to focus on the one that's enlarging. And that would be, you could see the dropout that's occurring to this patient. And this would be a patient, maybe right here, Carrie, you can see, see this inner and outer retina. You can see a little bit of capillary, a little bit of hyper fluorescent. That's probably some early changes, but man, it's not really convincing. You can see here, this little, uh, uh, this uh, vitreous is coming down, creating a little distortion here. So that's a little vitreo macular traction. But as we come across here, you know, this isn't screaming diabetes uh, with the B scan. And you can see here, this is normal. Here's that blood vessel, right? We're probably catching, you know, this one here. And you're picking up on that hypo-reflective column and that hypo-reflective column. So these are all normal. Here's a vitreomacular adhesion uh, coming down. They call that an adhesion because there's no change to the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the morphology of the retina. This one becomes traction because you can see there's a little bit of a, a little puckering up there. So this is a vitreomacular traction, vitreomacular adhesion, but clean, but then jumping down again to the, to the, uh, to the, to the uh, capillary uh, um, images, you could see what's happening. Dropout in this right eye and a little dropout here, but it's more advanced uh, in the left eye. And that's one of another little pearls I like pointing out when, when interpreting OCTs, you know, it's a lot of times we get this, you know, this green and yellow and red and blue disease. And sometimes you'll see like these GCCs, they'll be lighting up um, as is yellow or red. And it might be because it says 80 and 80 would be, wow, that's pretty red. But if it's 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, I would just say that's probably someone that's a high myope and, um, 
Um, and it's just physiologically normal for them. So I'm all about asymmetry. When there's asymmetry out there, start scratching your head. And what did you say the magic number for you is of the area? 10, 14, 8? What, what's the magic number? Yeah, when I start saying so over here, the magic number, we're talking about vascular zone. I'm not, I don't really focus on this uh, millimeter squared. Like, yeah, you know, this is 30, this is 30. If it's 10 and 10, but or the if difference. it's 40 and 40, but the it's difference. the difference right and What's there the magic 10. number for the difference? The 10, zero, the 0. 0.110, yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, absolutely, yep. And do you have any Let's more, more diet? Yeah. Yeah. You're... Let me just show you this one here real quick. So the, yeah, this is nice because you can take the images of the optic nerve and montage and see what's going on, but you can see here the, the, the capillary dropout, some microaneurysms, you start turning on the, you know, you click on this, you measure the foveal vascular zone. I like showing this because here's the click on this little button here, gives you the on FOSS. And you can see maybe a little bit of some retinopathy occurring, some these hyperreflective areas, uh, especially in this area up here. And then you go over and it's matching right where that capillary dropout is. And if you come down, look at the B scan, maybe a little bit of diabetic retinopathy here and here. Still, you got some pretty good blood flow. That's the patient's right eye. You jump over to the left eye, click on the on FOSS. You can start seeing a lot of these little hyperreflective areas. Again, you can't tell blood versus um, exudate, but I want to go back. I want to show you something here. Look at this here, and you can see a little bit of white spots. And I go forward here, you can see some white spots, but I would say those are pretty equal. But when you jump over to the to the capillary and, and, and start seeing the dropout in this foveal vascular zone, I'm going to go one more click here. I think I have it here. And now when you look at the right eye compared to this left eye, you can see this is 0.23, this is 0.45, you know, basically doubled in size of this foveal vascular zone. You can see the capillary dropout in both eyes, but you could really see how this left eye is under assault of, of, uh, of, di of diabetes. And you can see there's many microaneurysms. Absolutely, yep. As you, you could point around. out some yep. of those. Here's one here. Here's one here. This is a microaneurysm here. So these are pretty classic, uh, three of them popping out there. So Great. good eye, Carrie. Very good eye. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. 
Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you could screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also going to be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball, and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please open their eyes? Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.